Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with the light of the world as we pick up in Song of Solomon, chapter 6, verse 10. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. John, testifying of Jesus Christ, said, He is the true light that lighteth every man that cometh into the world. But man put the light out. They hanged him on a cross. They put him in a tomb and rolled a stone over the door of the sepulcher. And as far as the world was concerned, they had extinguished the light. But the third day, he rose again, and he lives today. And even as the light of the moon declares to you that the sun is still shining, though you cannot see the sun, but as you look at the moon and see the reflected light of the sun, you know that the sun still shines. So the world who cannot see Jesus Christ knows that he lives as they see the reflected glory of Christ from our lives, the light of Jesus Christ shining forth from us. Ye, he said, are the light of the world. A man doesn't light a candle to put it on a, under a bushel, but on a candlestick that it might give light to the whole house. The moon was the lesser light to rule the night, to rule in the darkness, and thus in the darkness of man's history, God has a light. Fair as the moon, his light, his witness, as we reflect the light and the glory of Jesus Christ to the dark world around us. In order to properly reflect that light of Jesus Christ, we must live above the world. For if we live in the world, if we partake of the worldly things, if we are living as the world, then we do not reflect the light to the world. You've got to live above the world by a higher standard than the low standards of man around us. There is always the peer pressure. There is always the mores of a society that would seek to draw you down to a lower level of living. There is always the rationale, but everybody's doing it to encourage you and to draw you into a lower level of experience and life. But living on a low plane, you'll never reflect the glory of the sun. It's only as we live above it that the world can see the light reflecting from us. Clear as the sun. Again, (laughs) There needs to be a slight change in the word sun. Instead of spelling it S-U-N, capitalize it and spell it S-O-N, clear as the sun. The church, we are to be pure as he is pure. We are to be holy as he is holy. God said, be ye therefore holy, For I am holy, saith the Lord. 
Jesus said, be therefore perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. And he who has this hope purifies himself, even as he is pure. Christ is our standard for righteousness, which immediately eliminates all of us. Because none of us are as pure as Christ. None of us are as holy as Christ. None of us are as perfect as God. Christ, our standard for righteousness. But it is a righteousness that I cannot attain by works, by rules, by regulations, by laws. For if righteousness could come by the law, then Christ died in vain. But God has established a new basis of righteousness, which is not a new basis of righteousness. It is the same basis by which Abraham was accounted righteousness. For Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness 400 years before the law ever came by Moses. The law was never intended to make a man righteous, but only to show man his sin and his guilt in order that we might be driven to a righteousness that is apart from us, the righteousness which is of God through our faith in Jesus Christ. So we read in Galatians, the law was the schoolmaster to force us to Christ, to drive us to Christ, to make us realize that we can't do it ourselves. We need help. And God has provided that help. And thus we become clear as the sun because it's his righteousness that has been imputed to us by our believing and trusting in God. And so that's why the bridegroom could say, hey, she's without spot. <laughs> that's why God looks at you and says, hey, you're, you're without spot. You're without blemish. You're pure. You're righteous. Because he sees you in his son and the righteousness of Christ having been imputed or counted to your account. And finally, the church is seen as awesome as an army with banners. And this is what God intends the church to be to the enemies of Jesus Christ, that we might be a terror to the enemies of God. Even as an army with banners was a very terrifying thing to behold, to stand in front of, or to try to withstand, so the church should be a terror to the enemies of God. The bridegroom continues his song. I went down into the garden of nuts to see the fruits of the valley and to see whether the vine flourished and the pomegranates budded. Or ever I was aware, my soul made me like the chariots of a minute dib. Return, return, O Shulamite, return, return, that we may look upon thee. The chorus responds, what will you see in the Shulamite? And he answers, as it were the company of two armies. Now the daughters of Jerusalem address themselves to the Shulamite, and they say, how beautiful are thy feet with shoes or within thy sandals. O prince's daughter, the joints of thy thighs are like jewels, the work of the hands of cunning workmen. Thy navel is like a round goblet, which wanteth not liquor, 
and thy belly is like a heap of wheat set about with lilies. And I suppose that was complimentary to them. <laughs> I, I'm not that kind of an expressive person, and it doesn't do much for me. Thy two breasts are like two young rows that are twins. Thy neck is as a tower of ivory. Thine eyes like the fish pools of Hezbon. <laughs> I imagine blue, pretty. By the gate of Bathrabbin, thy nose is like the Tower of Lebanon. Now, I don't know that I would appreciate that. Which looketh toward Damascus. Solomon built this tower in Lebanon after he had completed his palace. Uh, so some 20 years after he was married to the daughter of Pharaoh. There are some who believe that the one he speaks of is Pharaoh's daughter, but this sort of precludes that because the song evidently was written after 20 years of marriage to her, and it seems that a new interest has taken him with this Shulamite. Thy head upon thee is like Carmel, and the hair of your head like purple. The king is held in the galleries, or he is bound by that beauty. How fair and how pleasant are you. You, O love for delights, this thy stature is like unto a palm tree, and thy breast to clusters of grapes. I said, I will go to the palm tree, I will take hold of the boughs thereof. Now also thy breast shall be as clusters of the vine, and the smell of thy nose like apples, and the roof of thy mouth like the best wine for my beloved, that goeth down sweetly, causing the lips of those that are asleep to speak. The bride responds, I am my beloved's, and his desire is toward me. Now think of this in the, in the church in Jesus Christ, and it becomes very beautiful indeed. He loves me. I am my beloved's, and his desire is toward me. He desires me. Christ desires you, your love, your response. He desires me. That, that to me is... Just uncanny. Come, my beloved, let us go forth into the field. Let us lodge in the villages. Let us get up early to the vineyards. Let us see if the vine flourishes, whether the tender grape appears and the pomegranates bud forth. There will I give thee my loves. The mandrakes give a smell, and at our gates are all manner of pleasant fruits, new and old, which I have laid up for thee, O my beloved. The bride continues her song, Oh, that thou wert as my brother that nursed upon the breast of my mother. When I should find thee without, I would kiss thee. Yea, I should not be despised. I would lead thee and bring thee into my mother's house, who would instruct me. I would cause thee to drink of spiced wine of the juice of my pomegranate. His left hand should be under my head. His right hand should embrace me. I charge you, O daughters of Jerusalem, that ye stir not up nor awake my love until he please. And the bridegroom speaks, Who is this that cometh up from the wilderness, leaning upon her beloved? I raised thee up under the apple tree. There thy mother brought thee forth. There she brought thee forth that bare thee. Set me 
as a seal upon your heart, as a seal upon your arm, for love is strong as death. Jealousy is as cruel as hell. The coals thereof are coals of fire, which has a most vehement flame. Many waters cannot quench love. That, oh, he's speaking, uh, of course, these are very picturesque and very powerful declaration of, of how strong love is, like coals of fire, most vehement flame, and many waters cannot quench love. Neither can the floods drown it. If a man would give all of his substance of his house for love, it would be utterly contemptible. In other words, this kind of love cannot be bought. Men are always trying to buy love. And there is a certain kind of love that can be bought, but not true love, not this kind of love. This is a true love of Christ for us. You can't purchase it. And an endeavor to purchase it only cheapens it. It's utterly contemptible for people to try to buy their way with God. If you gave tonight hoping that you could sort of buy your way with God, please ask the ushers for a refund when you leave. It's contemptible to think that you can buy your way with the Lord, that you can buy his love. God's love for us is uncaused by us, and it just comes flowing forth to us. You can't buy that kind of love. You can't quench that kind of love. God's love for us is unquenchable, and it just comes flowing out to us and it is just ours to accept and ours to receive. Now the bride responds, We have a little sister who is not developed. What shall we do for our sister in the day when she shall be spoken for? And the bridegroom responds, If she is discreet, we'll build upon her a palace of silver. We'll display her. If she be brash, we'll build a wall around her. We'll enclose her in boards of cedar. We'll fence her up. And then the bride speaks, and she answers, I am a wall, are discreet, and my breasts are like towers. Then was I in the eyes, in his eyes, as one that found favor. Solomon had a vineyard at Balhamon. He let it out to the vineyard to the keepers, and every one for the fruit thereof was to bring a thousand pieces of silver, or he leased out the, the vineyards for a thousand pieces of silver. My vineyard, which is mine, is before me. Thou, O Solomon, must have a thousand, and those that keep the fruit thereof two hundred. But thou that dwellest in the gardens, the companions, hearken to thy voice, cause me to hear it. Make haste, my beloved, and be thou a roe, or like to a roe or to a young heart upon the mountains of spices. Make haste, 
my beloved. This takes us to the last of the book of Revelation, when Jesus said unto John, Behold, I come quickly. And John responded, Even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. And so the final word of the bride is significant. Make haste, my beloved, to come. And our prayer today is, O Lord, come, come quickly, that we might enter into that fullness of thy love in thy kingdom, that you might bring us into your banqueting house Place your banner of love over us that we will be there forever with thee in thy glorious kingdom. Make haste, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you for that love that we have experienced through Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, that we know the beauty, the glory, and the blessing of thy love. And now, Lord, let us go out to declare thy love to a needy world and to share thy love with others. Let our lives, O God, become a fit witness of thy love. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Shall we stand? Now you that are romanticists and, and true sort of mystics, you can take that Song of Solomon and you can find all kinds of exciting things in it. As I say, I'm not much of one to make allegories or to, uh, to get involved in that because, uh, again, you can read so many things. I think, though, that it is good. I think, that, I think though, that here is a bit of of, in a sense, existentialism, that you need to experience it personally. What does the Lord say to you in it? And I think it's good to give God an opportunity to speak to you in it. And because you are different in many ways from me, in temperaments or, or whatever, some of you will find all kinds of beautiful, exciting things in the Song of Solomon where God will just speak to you in just a very beautiful, special way. But I think that there is something that is very intimate and personal with love. And thus, as the expressions of love are here, I really don't think that they do stand well in in a public expression because it makes it sort of a general impersonal thing in a public expression, I think that the deepest expression of it does come in your own personal devotions as you let God unravel the book to your own heart and make the application of the love to you individually.
And as you read it in your own personal kind of devotion, being open to the Spirit of God, he can make many beautiful applications of the song to your relationship with him. And you'll find it exciting indeed as he declares his personal love for you and as you are able to relate and express your love for him. So don't just pass by the Song of Solomon, go back and read it with an open heart that God might minister to you on an intimate, personal basis his deep, fervent, fiery love that cannot be quenched by many waters. We'll continue with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of Isaiah on our next broadcast as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible. And we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Song of Solomon 6 through 8 when visiting thewordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's thewordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD, and our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today, P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of the Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. May the Lord be with you and bless you. And may God work in your life and the changing of your nature with open face may you behold the glory of the Lord and as you gaze into his glory may his spirit work in you changing you from glory to glory into his image that God might conform you into the image of Christ that you might become the person that God wants you to be not governed by your own will governed by the Spirit of God. And thus may men be drawn unto our Lord, and may your life be used as a witness for God's glory. In Jesus' name. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. Children love stories, so it is with great honor to tell you about a children's book written by Pastor Chuck called The Story of the Ten Commandments. Just listen to what people are saying. Cheryl Broderson. I love these stories, and it's a pleasure for me to know that you get to hear my dad tell you the very same stories that he told me as a child. Pastor David Guzik. 
I think that a book by Pastor Chuck is perfect for children because they'll sense the true love of not just a father, but a great grandfather and how much he loves to pass on the love of Jesus to a young generation. Pastor Poncho Juarez. I am so blessed to be part of this book by Pastor Chuck. I love it when kids read in their own level. I hope parents take advantage of this and may the Lord bless you. And as a gift, each book contains a CD of Pastor Chuck reading the story of the Ten Commandments. To order your copy, call the word for today at 800-272-WORD. Or to see a sneak preview of the book, visit us online at thewordfortoday.org.